Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Write For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started. Hey there, this is John Gerard with Write For Me, and we are here doing the Business Ninjas podcast. And I've got a great guest with me today. This is Dustin Giltname. He's from Bankpack, which is a business that provides uh, financial security services um, and equipment. He's going to tell us a little bit more about that to uh, regional banks. Very interesting pre-conversation with Dustin. I'm excited to have him here. Dustin, say hi and, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks, John. Uh, so as uh, John introduced, my name is Dustin Giltlane. I'm with Bankpack Security. Uh, we provide financial equipment and in uh, the layman terms, that's an ATM, currency counter, uh, cash recyclers, coin counters, things like that. And then also we provide commercial security for our financial customers, as well as general commercial customers. Um, and that involves um, access control system, which is just a, a key fob that you swipe to go into a door with a reader, um, a burglar alarm system to alert for any intrusions, fire alarms, and then uh, CCTV systems. Very cool. That's a, a whole bunch of stuff that banks need these days in, in sort of the modern era to make sure that they're safe and secure. Are you guys mostly in a specific region of the country or, or nationwide or where are you operating right now? We're headquartered out of Middle Tennessee um, in a little place called McMinnville. You may uh, recognize it from the music festival Bonnaroo. It's just right, right down the road from our main office. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that's where our headquarters is. We've got a warehouse in the Knoxville area. And we primarily service the southeastern United States. We also um, do some some drop shipping. We manufacture um, some goods and we drop ship those around the nation as well. But um, for installation and service, the states that we um, take care of are Tennessee and then the immediately surrounding states as well as Florida. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. So tell me a little bit about your typical customer. Who, who's, who's buying and, and, uh, and how do you get in touch with them? How do you start conversations with them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 80% of our business is in the financial industry. That includes banks and credit unions. Um, and our typical customer is a community bank. Um, we don't work with any large regional banks right now. Your you know, regions and, and uh, Bank of America's and, and Institutions like that, we focus on community banks, which are going to be anywhere from one location at a minimum, obviously up to as much as 50 or 60 locations. Um, and those customers need a wide range of products and services. That equipment gets used very heavily on a daily basis, uh, just which means that that wear and tear needs to be managed. So for that portion of our business, we provide ongoing service and we can do that through a contract or a time and material basis. And then as that equipment gets older and wears out, it needs to be replaced. So we also sell new, sell and install new equipment. And that can be for worn out equipment, or it can just be for any new branch builds or a building remodel. Got it. So you've got a good recurring revenue stream built in there for clients that uh, need ongoing service, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and just to give you some, some numbers so you can kind of understand how that works, um, a typical community bank with around 25 branches will place about a thousand service calls a year. So whenever we take on a customer of that size, uh, we anticipate needing to have two full-time service techs. And these are, depending on what equipment they're working on, they can be highly specialized techs 
Um, but two, service techs to manage just one customer of that size. Um, and depending on their branch count, obviously that volume is going to vary. But we have service techs that specialize in fire systems, um, ATMs, TCRs. TCRs are uh, teller cashless recyclers, little industry jargon there. Yeah. Uh, we have techs that specialize in locks. They're lock QAs that are, that are fire QA certified for fire. We have um, guys that are general contractor certified. So they have their contractor's license across multiple states. We've got three or four guys that do that. And then we also have armed guards that carry guns with them on a daily basis for handling cash. So we have a wide range of very specialized talent. Yeah, it sounds like it. I know that was something we wanted to touch base on. You've you've got an exceptional team, it sounds like, and and have uh, built a lot of the culture around getting those people on board and and retaining them. And tell me a little bit more about the team. Yeah, yeah. So um, the most important thing we do in recruiting is we look for good quality people that have talent. Um, industry experience is a bonus, but we've got a, a robust training program we're putting in place. We're sending guys off to be trained. We pay for that. We, we invest in our employees uh, to get them certified so that they can be a fire QA if that's something they want to do, or they can be a certified locksmith if that's something they want to do. So we recruit on a daily basis. We have a careers tab on our webpage where folks can apply there, but we're also reaching out on a regular basis. Uh, we get referrals within our employee base and um, my, my executive team, we're, we're probably going to have to start a, an HR department before long, but right now the executive team manages all those those interviews, and they're doing a couple of interviews a week on a regular basis. Yeah, well, especially with all those specialists, I'm sure you've got to, to cycle through pretty quickly to get the right people in. That's yeah, amazing. that looks right. So, so tell me a little bit about uh, how you differentiate. You, clearly, there's other people who do this. What's different about BankPack? So BankPack, uh, just to give you a little bit of the backstory on BankPack, um, they've, we've been in business for 40 years, started in 1983. Uh, we've been a family owned business that entire time. And like a lot of family owned businesses, the first generation, you know, they were dedicated to work. They're passionate about it. They did a great job building the company. And then as the company was passed on to further generations, other investors got involved, diversified a little bit. So you had some other interests that came in. Um, the son of the original owner took in. He wasn't as passionate about the business, um, so he was looking for an exit. The company had just kind of been doing the same old, same old for a long time. Service wasn't quite top notch, so it really needed a refresher. Um, one of the owners recruited the current um, president and CEO to take over the business, and that was in 2015 when he stepped in to take over, um, and he completely rebuilt the company from the ground up. Um, from repainting the building, remodeling the building, cleaning up the parking lot, doing the landscaping to recruiting all new staff. We've, we've got about 60% new um, employees at this point. When he started, there was around 30 employees at the company. Um, so you can imagine um, about 18 of those have been replaced. We've got yep. about 12 originals. And then we've added an additional 15 employees since then. So over the past seven um, almost eight years now, there has been a dramatic rebuilding of the brand. And a part of that is not only putting new uh, landscaping out front, but it's also building a new culture. Um, it's something that the new the new president has instilled in everybody that works at BankPack is to make BankPack better every day. Yeah, that's what we uh, live and breathe. And then also to do what you tell your customers you're going to do. So to have integrity 
with everything that you do. Um, so that's, that's something that we don't have it plastered on the walls of our lobby like some companies do, yeah. but everybody knows that our goal is to make bank back better. Um, so with that, wall, it's in here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's where it matters. Um, that's where it matters. And, and I, I am constantly amazed at how far it will get you to simply do what you say you're going to do. It's, it's remarkable. And I think if more businesses were that way, the way it sounds like you guys are, it'd be a, it'd be a, a lot better business environment, it'd be a lot easier to work with companies. That's right. There's a fine line between over-promising and under-delivering and under-promising and over-delivering. Um, and that's something that we work with even on a daily basis to this day. Yeah, um, makes sense. Well, so, so oh, go ahead, please. Yeah, I'd like to expound a little bit more about what we do specifically within the space with our customers. So that's kind of the, the framework that the company yeah. operates on in, in our mindset. Um, but we also approach the situations that we find in the field a little differently than our competition. Yep. Um, we consider ourselves a consultant to our customers. Um, a lot of our competition will sell a very um, cookie cutter system. Let's, let's call it a 16 channel camera system with a very base model DVR, which a DVR is a digital video recorder. That's just a box in the closet that hangs onto that footage. Um, what we like to do is come in and have a conversation about what the goals of the institution are. Um, where are those cash transaction areas? Do you want to be able to count every bill that goes across every counter? Um, do you want to get tag shots of every vehicle that comes into your parking lot? And how long do you want to store those tag shots? Yeah. So we like to hit each of those goals and dig into and dig into those goals very deeply and then outline a plan to uh, to maximize maximize the uh, the institution security so that that goes hand in hand with also not selling the most expensive equipment on the market so we approach the problems from that solution based mindset but we also provide a multiple different um, products for the the problem the customer is trying to solve. So from a camera perspective, we offer the most expensive camera system in the market. We also offer the cheapest camera system in the market. And we also offer a uh, middle middle, middle option. Yeah. So um, we give them right. multiple different options to meet their needs. I, I love this. I mean, so this, this is sort of the, the fundamental business learning, it sounds like to me, which is you know, to meet the customer where they are and to hear their story, to really understand what it is they want. Um, you know, it seems to me, it, it, it sounds like a lot of the competitors in your space, um, maybe send them an order form and say, just fill this out. And they're not actually asking these questions and, and you're, uh, you know, taking the time to really understand. Let me ask you this, because I've, I've um, engaged with customers and prospects in this way too, in, in a variety of businesses. And my experience has been that a lot of people, a lot of times people are surprised because this is the first time that anybody's actually bothered to ask them what it is they're actually trying to do. And, and uh, you know, taking this amount of time to, to really listen and hear their story. Is that something you run into in the field when you're having these conversations? Yeah, it is. And just like any other industry, community bankers, um, they wear a lot of hats. Yeah. Um, so per regulation, they have to have a security officer appointed by the board. Yep. That security officer has to report to the board their various security protocols. Um, but more times than not, the security officer is also a commercial lender. 
So they are managing that commercial portfolio of business on a daily basis. They don't have time to go research which camera systems have been approved by the U.S. government and figure all that out. Yep. Um, so we see it even, even to this day, there are vendors, our competitors, who are trying to sell equipment that is banned by the U.S. government. These bankers would get thousands of dollars in fines if they purchase this equipment. But our competitors just, they don't take the time to educate themselves on what they're installing. So oh, that's amazing. And I assume that somebody, uh, a bank only needs to make that mistake once for it to be a pretty big deal. I, uh, do, you, do you get customers who've sort of gotten burned in situations like that who are sort of saying, gosh, we need to talk to somebody who knows what they're doing? Yeah. Um, it's funny because these, these relationships, um, they're not short term. All of our relationships are long term. So your integrity yeah. is of utmost importance. We got a phone call Friday. Um, a customer out in West Tennessee, they are going to buy out their current contract because they just cannot, they can't stand their vendor any longer. Um, it happens all the time. We've been in a relationship with these folks for almost two years. We've probably spent, I know myself, I've spent at least a week working with them to tailor products to meet their solutions, but they've never bought anything from us over the last two years. We just continue to meet that need. We continue to build that relationship. And when the time comes and they need a better partner, we're there for them. So that's the, as far as from a customer acquisition standpoint, that word of mouth building those relationships in this kind of business is paramount. Makes a ton of sense. I think especially for something like financial services, so highly regulated, so much at stake. Um, you know, I have to imagine if, if somebody's uh, counting machines or ATMs are going down, like that's a really big problem. And, and, uh, uh, you know, that it, not having a partner who can sort of step in and, and handle things when something goes wrong has got to be a, a big deal. Yeah, you're right. And uh, it's it's a time issue also. Uh, it's funny. My, my mom is a customer of one of my customers um, about an hour from here. And she called me and she said, hey, this, this ATM that I normally use has been down for two months. Um, do you guys take care of their ATMs? I said, you know, that's not a piece of business they've allowed us to take over yet, but let me call. Um, so I started making some <laughs> phone calls. And within about six months, all that business got moved to us. And we found oh, out man. that they had been going through just some nightmare scenarios, ATMs being down for multiple days, multiple that's weeks. Um, and they're, they're, the, the issue arose from the business that was taking care of them um, yeah. was the low-cost competitor. They had the cheapest prices. We were double what the competitor was, but they also had really high turnover. They weren't paying their employees well. Um, And it ended up resulting in a bank that had ATMs down all across Tennessee and wasn't able to service their customers. So being the low cost option is not always the best for you or the customer. It sure isn't. And I think uh, I've seen a lot of businesses been involved in a lot that have this dynamic where, the rescue customer, the customer who's had this terrible experience with the low cost, um, you know, low end version in the marketplace uh, shows up and, and says, I can't do this anymore. And, and you know, to the degree you can tailor some of your, your sales process to that, you can get a lot of, of um, long term customers, especially because you're saving them in a situation where, uh, you know, it's so uncomfortable. It's gotten so bad. They need to make a change. Yeah, that's absolutely right. 
Interesting. Well, important question follow up there. Did your mom get a commission check out of that that referral? <laughs> no, she didn't. Well, oh, it's funny. Might, yeah. You might want to get in touch with her and see if we can correct that. I think that, yeah. that's important, right? Have a, have a good channel for, for new business like that. Um, one last question here before we, we wrap it up. So tell me a little bit about 2023. What, what's it looking like? You've had a good growth run here, it sounds like, over the last few years. And uh, what, what's on the, uh, on the docket for, for this new year? Um, we've got a lot of good things in the works coming up this year. Um, we are, um, for the most part, from a marketing and, and uh, outreach perspective, we're doing the same thing. We did add three new conferences with the Georgia Bankers Association. So I'll be going to Georgia actually two weeks from now to meet some of those folks. Um, so we're targeting Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee with the majority of our expansion efforts. We're on on track to grow about twenty to twenty or twenty five percent in the financial services industry. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to grow somewhere in the ballpark of three and a half to four percent on the general commercial side. So we're trying to make sure that we have healthy growth that doesn't uh, outpace what we're able to provide for our customers. Um, and some of the things that we're looking at this year, um, we are doing some general commercial work with Stanley Security. They're a large security provider, so we're doing some. Amazon Fulfillment Centers, we're going to do our first large corrections project where we're going into a new jail up in Hamlin County. We're going to do all new security for that jail. Wow. Um, And then also we're partnering with some utility companies to help increase their security. Obviously, we've seen some some just horrendous situations where um, over in North Carolina a few months ago, there was a, a power outage where somebody had sabotaged the substation. It knocked out power for tens of thousands of customers. So utility companies are looking to increase their security. That's something that we're trying to push hard for this year, um, as well as expanding our financial industry customer base. Amazing. Sounds like a lot of opportunity. And it sounds like you guys are doing it smart by growing at a at a rate that's sustainable, which is which is fantastic. So hey, I lied. One last question. You guys also provide bank vaults, right? Yes, that's right. So tell me. Is it realistic in Ocean's Eleven when they go in there and the bank guy drills in and pops it open? Is that is that how it really works? <laughs> no, that's not how it works at all. They've got uh, they have anti drill plates in those vaults, and uh, when we send when we send guys out to drill a vault, usually it's two guys and they're there for three days and they burn through about a thousand dollars worth of bits. Oh those God. things are just not designed to be drilled at all. So, so you must get a good chuckle when you watch those those heist movies and and see what they're what Hollywood's <laughs> doing with this. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Well, listen, I think uh, th- this covers it. What a, what a wonderful conversation, Dustin. I really appreciate you being on on the show here on uh, the Business Ninjas podcast with us. And um, this was fantastic. Look forward to checking in down the road and see how all that growth is going. And thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, John. I appreciate the time. Hey, are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io. W-R-I-T-E-F-O-R-M-E dot I-O and schedule a time to meet with us and we'll make it happen. Keep slaying it, y'all.